Welcome to Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside. We are the retro talk program for nostalgia and baby boomer stuff right here on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. I'm Smitty. I'm Mike. And I'm George. And we welcome you to our program today. We're so happy to have you with us. We have a great program that we hope that you will enjoy, a fun program. You know, as we're going to air here, as we're recording our program, we're just at the beginning of the month of May of 2018, and we're getting close to Mother's Day. Now, you're probably going to hear this program after the fact, but that doesn't really matter, because the topic that we're going to talk about today is our favorite TV moms. Now, you know, there's a lot of sitcoms and a lot of other programs on television over the years. We all have our favorites, and a lot of those featured a a family, and a lot of those featured a mom. And uh, some immediately come to mind. I have a number of them in in my mind right now, so do do George and Mike. And we're going to toss it open here and just talk about some of our favorite TV moms, the the actresses who played uh, mothers on these programs that we remember. And George and Mike, there's so many of them. I mean, I can think of some right now, but I'm going to kind of hold off a little bit. I'm going to toss it out to you guys first, and I'll join in. But um, so many good memories from watching these old shows, the, these fun shows, and a lot of them had TV moms. They had our favorite moms that we watched on television. What a great theme. This is something that I addressed in my latest blog for the month of May. Those of you in the Galaxy audience, if you go to the Galaxy Night site, Web page, you'll find uh, the tab with my name on it. Click on it, and you'll see my monthly blog. This month, I addressed the topic of our favorite moms on screen. And I selected two moms to be able to start the conversation. Uh, the first one was Jane Wyatt, and the second was June Lockhart. Now, I picked these two because both of them are associated with famous mom figures on the screen, both large and small. But what's interesting about these two is that it wasn't just one mother figure. There are two iconic mother figures for both. Briefly, with Jane Wyatt, she starred in the 1950s uh, sitcom Father Knows Best from 1954 to 1960 as Margaret Anderson. And she played opposite Robert Young. But then... Years later, in the late 1960s, and then again in the mid-80s, she had the role of Amanda Grayson. Yes, Star Trek fans, she's the mother of the world-famous Mr. Spock. And with the role as Mr. Spock's mother, she really uh, reached uh, multiple generations. And then June Lockhart similarly was able to do the same thing. In the 1950s and early 60s, almost actually dovetailing with uh, Jane Wyatt, she played the mother, Ruth Martin, on uh, Timmy and Lassie. And then right from there in 1964, she blasted off into space with the Space Family Robinson as Dr. Maureen Robinson, the uh, matriarch uh, of the Space Family Robinson. And so she, like Jane Wyatt, was also able to reach other generations with a space-based theme that uh, tracked the moon race of the 1960s. So those are the two moms that I thought of. Of course, there are many others. Mike, what about you, your thoughts on the two that I mentioned or some of your favorites? You talk about the moms who had second careers after their TV roles. How about the moms who had... Movie careers before their TV roles. Donna yes. Reed. Yes, Donna Reed. She mm-hmm. was an Academy Award winner. 
Yeah. And then how about Harriet Nelson? Harriet she, Nelson. She was the a, Falcon series. Yes, and also wasn't she a, a big band singer? A big yes. band singer with the Ozzy Nelson. Than the Ozzy Nelson. With Ozzy Nelson. Who yeah. knew? Yes. Hey, I connect it now. I get it. What? <laughs> There's another one, George Vondi Carlo. The Ten Commandments? Of course. Yes. A.K.A. Lily Munster? Lily Munster. Yes, yeah. yes. She was great. Now, think about TV in the 50s and 60s, guys. You know, they they had this huge vacuum of needing content for these programs. They weren't called sitcoms then. They were called Situation Family Adventures. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Life O'Reilly. Right on through, leave it, leave it to Beaver. But think about... The producers for the networks, and they're producing these, and they're trying to fill this void of content that's needed by the viewing American public, television being such a, a new, fresh, infant medium. So who are they going to reach out to? Who are they going to reach out to? They're going to reach out to the people, the known quantities for the most part. So they go after Yvonne DiCarlo, Donna Reed, because they brought their own fan club to the small screen from the big screen. And it, you mentioned Jane Wyatt. Now, who Jane Wyatt, she was Star Trek The Voyage Home, but before she was Margaret Anderson, I'm not quite sure who she was. She actually appeared opposite Ronald Coleman in the 1937 ah, classic Lost, Lost Horizon. Okay. Oh, so she yes. actually was very well known for having portrayed uh, Mr. Coleman's love interest, and she did very well. I mean, she was regarded as a competent a well-respected actress, but I think in terms of reading mass market appeal, I think it was when uh, when she was on the small screen, both with Father Knows Best, then later with Star Trek, and then back on the big screen. But Mike, you said something that I just thought of. How about Barbara Bel Geddes? We all remember her mm-hmm. for her role as the matriarch on the Dallas yeah, television series. Salome. But... I believe that she also uh, was in some of the Alfred Hitchcock films as well. Wasn't she uh, opposite James Stewart in the Vertigo, one, Vertigo with uh, Kim Novak? Okay. Yeah, she had a supporting role. I mean, but she had, and of course, we remember her in Alfred Hitchcock as the long-suffering wife, uh, Lamb for the Slaughter. Yeah. Oh, think, yes, a classic episode. I think she got away with murder. I think she did. And I then she suddenly did. she's portraying, you know, uh, a primetime soap opera mom on Dallas in the 1970s and 80s. Well, Smitty, back over to the radio side. But we're talking about TV before they became TV moms and in some cases after. But a lot of these moms that came to TV were originally on the radio, but not a lot of them made the grade from radio because they didn't have television faces. Right. They had television voices, but not television faces. But there were a number of... Uh, radio shows that evolved Smitty into television series that involved the family unit, the uh, nuclear family, the 50s family, the atomic right. family. And we were talking a few weeks ago about some of the radio shows that are coming out now, as well as a lot of the TV shows, George and Smitty, that are out available now on MeTV and even YouTube. You can mm-hmm. go, we were talking earlier in pre-production about Signal 30, the famous driver's education movies that we were forced to, the grueling macabre, <laughs> gruesome, horrible, dreadful disasters that occurred on the highways that we were force-fed in high school. But uh, radio evolving into TV, keeping the family union, Life of Riley, Fibber McGee, and all Riley, these, these sure. were family units yeah. that made the jump right. and were somewhat intact when they were carried over into television. You got some comments on that, Smitty? Sure, yeah. 
as we know, these uh, television programs that involve families, that involve, as Mike said, a nuclear family, a mom and a dad, and perhaps a couple of of kids, they also had uh, those programs on the radio that were also very, very popular. As you mentioned, Life of Riley, My Favorite Husband with Lucille Ball, uh, Favorite McGee and Molly, The Goldbergs. The Goldbergs, yeah. Uh, there was a lot of them. Uh, a lot of them were not exactly sitcoms. They were sort of melodramatic programs, yeah. like, like the the uh, Goldbergs. One Man's Family, the yeah. famous uh, long-running soap opera from back in the day. They had the the mother figure. And this, of course, when all these programs, and programs, not exactly these particular programs, but when this genre began to transfer over to television, they brought the nuclear family over intact from radio and television. Intact, so you had the mom yeah. and the dad. Storylines. Storylines. And each one of the, you know, the dad... Uh, would go off to work and mom was the housekeeper and the kids would come home from school and oh you know here's uh, here's uh, some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and and junior has to go to baseball practice and 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 the little girl has to go to to dance practice or whatever and so um this genre really did begin in the days of radio and then it transferred over into television much as a lot of the other formats did uh, the other genres from radio to television and to feed that hungry monster smitty they had to keep the character line, the character models had to be intact. Most of our listeners are baby boomers can understand they have the code book to break the code on what we talk about mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. what was going on in the 50s and 60s. You had TV shows where the mother, because of the American culture, the mother could never really carry the leading role. It always was the husband, the dad, even Chester Riley. He was kind of dopey, and he always had the scheme going. But the mother would be the voice of reason or the voice of soothing. We talked about Leave it to Beaver, the 60th anniversary, with uh, June Cleaver. She was always together. She'd never lose it. She was always impeccably dressed, and none of us could imagine our moms being June Cleaver or Margaret Anderson or or even Donna Reed, Donna Stone. We just couldn't, and I don't even think we fretted on it too much, but that was a mom on TV where, well, look, my mom don't dress like that. And you had different <laughs> different elements of dress depending on the show. Right. Of course, on radio, wardrobe didn't mean anything. Right. Sound effects carried the day, but on television, you would have you would have Donna Stone, beautiful. Donna Reed, how could she not be beautiful? Yeah, exactly, but she's yeah. a mom and a housewife and married to the doctor. Of course, the doctor was the powerful male role in the, in the 50s, 60s nuclear family. You would go to Margaret Anderson, who, I won't say frumpy, but she didn't have the Elon or the panache of, of Donna Reed. Or for that matter, Barbara Billingsley, she was sort of in the middle. So they molded these female mom role model characters to fit the situation. And they were not situation comedies. You're dead on, dead on point, Smitty. They were... Some were situation dramas, there were situation adventures, but always the mom and dad together in the American 50s and 60s nu- nuclear family would come out at the end and save the day because they had the answer, and, and mom would pat little Theodore's head because he got stuck in the soup cup, and of course Ward Cleaver would be the the war department, he would be the voice of, well now you're going to have some payback and some consequences. To this day, that model is fragmented. It is because of the diversity of the American culture now, but it's still somewhat intact. You may have the parents who are both the same sex in today's situation comedies, but go back to the 50s and 60s. We talk about trailblazers and pioneers. It's still that fabric is intact is where you had people running that family, and in the end, they saved the family 
to live another week. Mike, you hit it the nail on the head. They definitely had roles. The man was the breadwinner, the head of the family, and the mom had a sort of a secondary role. But oftentimes she was the one that would bring reason and, and calmness to the situation. Just real quickly, two of my favorites, Margaret Anderson from uh, Father Knows Best and Barbara Billingsley from Leave it to Beaver, would look at them and I'd say, you know, gee, what would it be like to be living there and have her be my mom? Wouldn't that be neat and whatever? And no disrespect to my mother or anybody else's mother, but wouldn't it be neat to have something like that? And then you come to realize that it's part of the entertainment. It's part of the genre, you know, but it adds a lot of fun to these individual shows. You know, I was thinking about how some of these moms were able to retain the uh, role which they were in, but also to step out just a bit. And as you said, uh, Mike and Gilbert, so artfully about saving the day, in the case of Donna Reed playing the role of Donna Stone, there's the famous episode where she had to basically come to the rescue of her son. It was on a camping trip. And suddenly, magically, uh, you know, through her own creativity, she was able to create a wonderful campsite with all of the conveniences. And, of course, you know, there was obviously, uh, I wouldn't say trickery involved in it, but ingenuity, I would say. And it reflected that she was, you know, realizing that she wasn't the outdoorsy type, but she was able to make it happen. Now, in the case of Margaret Anderson, there is a classic episode where, and I don't recall what precipitated her doing this, but she actually ended up going out and winning a fly fishing competition <laughs> or a fly fishing uh, championship. And I guess it was to demonstrate that she could do more than what she did just at home and she could actually be the best at something that typically we associate with uh, a male dominated uh, uh, society. The last thing I want to say is think about another famous TV mom, Florence Henderson from the Brady Bunch. And in her case, how she was able to bring together the blended family. Because as you recall, you know, she had three daughters from a prior marriage. Her husband, who she married on the show, had three boys. And she was able to make it happen and to be able to uh, be involved with all the children's lives and look glamorous. And then, of course, we saw her on Dancing with the Stars. Mm -hmm. So uh, she had that persona as being a, a real with it mom. Yeah. George, take it to the next step, the next tier level of the screen mom, the TV screen mom. How about the single moms in TV? Comes to mind, Alice, mm -hmm. Julia. Julia, yes. one of my all-time with favorite. Diane Carroll. That yes. was a, that was a still got a huge crush series. on Diane Carroll. Oh yes, very. Where beautiful. is she? Where is she? Where Vic is she? Damone took her away from me, and I <laughs> shall never forget that. The best is Partridge Family. Shirley Single Jones. mom, Shirley Jones. She was part of the band, and and she ran. She ran the family as a single mom, and this is when single parents weren't really talked about. They weren't in the spotlight. Sixties, mm seventies. -hmm. It was a rarity to have. Any type of American culture-related TV show, there were, of course, movies, but of a single mom, be it a father or a mother or an uncle. And then you had the ersatz moms, the ones who played the mom role. We talked about it in pre-production. Frances Bavier's yeah, he, Aunt B on the Andy Griffith Show. She was not only there to take care of Andy yeah. and his young son, Opie, Opie, but in a way she was a mother figure to such classic figures as Barney Fife. Gomer Pyle, Goober Pyle, and you know other such Floyd, characters that Floyd sort of came and went. Yes, Floyd <laughs> the Barber. Other such characters that came and went. Oh, hello, uh, Andy. 
<laughs> yeah, and, well, the, and the ersatz moms who were a male playing the mom role, look at William Frawley and My Three Sons. Oh, my Bill goodness. Bill Frawley, William Demarest. Yes. Bub. Yeah, he Bubba, was he Bub, was the mom. He, he was actually the the surrogate mom for these mm-hmm. for these three voracious, adventurous young lads. And Fred McMurray was a single dad until he got married, which uh, was at I think on the last season. Very last season. Yes. But there was a mo- there was a mother model in these shows. The framework involved two individuals, adults with knowledge and with wisdom, who guided these children or these situations to a, a successful or a palpable result at the end of the show and 30 minutes later. I remember Valerie's family. That was uh, originally with uh, Valerie Harper, but then oh. she was succeeded by Sandy Duncan. And that also you know, sort of played along those themes. It was also Kate and Allie as well. Mm-hmm. In, in in the 1980s and early 90s. We're going to go to a retromercial here, folks. We're going to come back to uh, talking about dear old mom and mothers in television. And we can maybe even talk about Mommy Dearest, the most interesting mom of all. <laughs> no wire coat hangers. None. <laughs> I told Christina, why must you do this to me? Why? Because we have to go to our retro commercial right here on Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside. Don't go away. We'll be right back. We used to double date because we're sisters But alas, our dates were few and far between Oh, how we wondered why we missed with all the misters Until Ultra Bright came on the scene Ultra Bright entered our lives, wow Ultra Bright changed our whole lives, now All of a sudden, Cupid's arrow's gone pink I'm dating like mad, and I've got a ring. We're such a woosome doosome, believe us, it's for real. Ultra Bright gives your mouth sex appeal. Ultra Bright toothpaste, the kickiest taste, the freshest breath, the brightest teeth. That's sex appeal. Ultra Bright toothpaste, a taste you can really feel. Ultra Bright gives your mouth sex appeal. After Ultra Bright, everything else is just toothpaste. Hi, this is Chuck Cooper, and you're listening to Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. Wow, how about that? That's really a trip back in time. That is from 1968, Ultra Bright Toothpaste. Welcome back to Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside here on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. I'm Gilbert Smitty-Smith, along with my good buddies Mike Bragg, George Halalakos. We're talking about TV moms, the women who remember portraying mothers on television. I mean, we've talked a lot about the early ones uh, in the 50s, even going back into the to the radio days. But as we went along, Mike, before we went into the break, you were alluding to the fact that there were a lot of changes coming up in television. I guess television was reflecting a lot of the social changes that were happening. We you know, had single moms. We had ersatz moms, uh, Uncle Charlie, Bub. Um, let's talk a little bit more about some of the ones that came later. I'm even thinking about people such as Edith Bunker. She was a TV mom on All in the Family in different non-traditional roles that were uh, very different from when TV began in the 50s and early 60s, but uh, a whole bunch of changes came along as society began to change. Well, sure, then. I tend to put these in a category that I refer to as the hybrid moms. They were 
electric and gasoline, so to speak, because they're they were the mom, they were the female role model, the mom figure in whatever program that you were watching, but there was some nuance. There was some, in some cases, some very zany tweaking going on with the storyline. And you think of, okay, let's let's get crazy here, George and Smitty. Let's talk about Morticia Adams. You know, beautiful. Carolyn Jones, yes. beautiful, slinky, that long, slinky she thing. Was she was a stunner. She was a total stunner mm-hmm. all her life, right up from 1958, King Creole with Elvis Presley, that mm-hmm. great movie. But... Uh, She's the mother role model and the voice of reason. Gomez Adams is totally out of control. He's off the wall. Yeah, he's, he's names that my family calls me at home. He just always he's always got a plan going, almost a schemer. But they've got the family unit, and this came along. We're talking more seventies and eighties, Smitty. I know, but I'm talking about the genesis of the zany mom, right? Edith Bunker, you've mentioned. Uh, we could do a whole show on, on how the mom, the role model of the mother in television had changed, had gone just down around the bend, never to return again to what we knew as as Harriet Nelson or Barbara Billingsley, June Cleaver. But you've got you've got one mom, you've got Roseanne Barr, who's who's a slob. Yeah. And she yeah. doesn't really care about what you think. She's going to do it her way. And that's still a little bit of the mom model, but... She was the voice of, of craziness and also the voice, truly, folks, guys, of reality, of what really goes on in the average American home. It's not the kitchen where June Cleaver's mixing up a yellow cake for that night for when Fred Rutherford comes over. It's chaos. And if you did most of the nuclear American family homes, I know in my case in the middle class, the working class where I grew up, there was a lot of chaos day to day. It wasn't structured. It wasn't scripted. Things weren't solved drying the dishes after after the dinner dishes. Things were solved because of a long, sometimes drawn-out path that we'd have to take to get to the right answer, or in some cases, no answer at all, in some cases, a bad answer. So these were snippets, little thimblefuls of, of true American life. Alice, a mm-hmm. working mom, schlepping blue plate specials yeah. at, at Mel's Diner. That's very realistic in American culture. And as it evolved in the 70s and 80s, we came all the way up, all the way to today's today's viewing Look at the situations. They're not so. F- they're done differently, and we've got a lot of different type of technology producing these shows. But they're not so far and away that much different than they were in the '60s and '70s. Andy, for George? sure. I wanted to introduce what I thought could have been the prototype for what we saw in later decades, the '70s, the '80s, the '90s, and yes, into the decades of the 21st century, the 2000s and 2010s. Go back to 1967, 51 years ago. Catherine Hepburn won the Academy Award for her portrayal of a mom in the classic Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, opposite, of course, her famous co-star and love interest, Spencer Tracy. It also co-starred Sidney Poitier and uh, her niece, Catherine Houghton, who portrayed her daughter. And, of course, the subject revolved coming to terms with an interracial marriage, which, of course, nowadays, you know, is not a big deal. But 51 years ago, it broke new grounds. And Catherine Hepburn, as you may recall from that portrayal, she ran a successful art gallery. Her husband was a prominent newspaper publisher in the San Francisco area. And Catherine Hepburn was sort of a fusion of, shall we say, traditional values, but also very open-minded, 
uh, to new possibilities and very supportive of uh, her daughter and her future son-in-law. And I think if we look at the role that she played in that particular film, that it actually set the stage, Mike, for some of the characters that you described and that you enumerated earlier in this program. Your thoughts? Sitcoms and situation dramas, television is a renewable resource. And as the character lines change and storylines, they tend to be written to change with changes in American pop culture and American uh, society, the social strata of America as we've changed. And think of some of the shows that were written and geared upon the interracial marriage mm-hmm. in the 60s. That, that, was, that was a hot item. That was a, 50 years later, 60 years later, we're not talking about that anymore. We're talking about the nuclear threat from some small third world country who would like to turn San Francisco into a large flat mirror or the political unrest on both sides, regardless of where you vote or how you vote. And those are incorporated into these programs. And using movie stars, in your illustration of Katherine Hepburn, there are movie stars that are coming over into mainstream television now who are playing the mom, they're playing the dad, in some cases they're playing the kids and they're evolving, but along with that bringing political commentary or social commentary of our times. And so it's not so new what you've seen in the last five years on TV. It goes back to what I mentioned earlier to you, Smitty, is mm-hmm. that there's really nothing new under the sun. This this was done it's with just guesses hist- coming to dinner. It's just the history you don't know yeah. or you have not been able to read. Yeah, in that absolutely. Regard. The other side yeah. of that coin, or actually it's on the same side of that coin, is that as we move forward in time, television began to really reflect more and more what was happening in society. In the 50s, it was mostly the nuclear family, and dad would go off to work, and mom would be the housekeeper, and the kids would go to school. And as we moved into the late 60s, the 70s, things began to change, and television reflected that. And television is, I guess, uh, in a way, uh, sort of a mirror, holds a mirror up to society in kind of a rather strange way, but it does happen sometimes. And I think that was part of the reason that a lot of the later shows became more realistic or had more unique storylines than you would have had back in the early days. What's ironic about it all is that when you look back at any of these programs, whether you go back to old-time radio, classic TV, uh, classic movies, or more up-to-date, all of them in their own way, gentlemen, reflect time capsules. They are time capsules, but the central theme in there is motherhood, and motherhood evolves. Yet, at the same time, there's certain universal principles involving the importance of providing a nurturing framework and a safe place uh, in which to, uh, you know, raise your children and to grow and develop into responsible adults. This theme seems to transcend the decades that have passed. Indeed it does, and uh we certainly hope that you've uh, thought a little bit about some of your favorite TV moms. We certainly would like to hear from you if you have any memories uh, along those lines. Why don't you drop us an email? Our email address is galaxymoonbeamnightside at gmail.com, galaxymoonbeamnightside at gmail.com. Our website is galaxymoonbeamnightside. Don't forget our good buddy here, George Halalakos, posts a wonderful blog each month. If you go to our website and click on the George Halalakos tab, you can see all of his blog posts that every month are very delightful to look at. Of course, we're on Facebook, the Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside page on Facebook. And don't forget, all of our library of over 200 programs is available on iTunes and on Mixcloud.com. 
for your listening pleasure. If there's shows that you missed, you can go back and listen to them. That's all the time we have on this program. The half hour just flew right by, but we sure thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Smitty. I'm Mike. And I'm George. And we thank you for joining us on Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. This is the Galaxy Nostalgia Network.